Good evening and welcome to August Book Club with the usual panel of Alice Goulding, Felicity Radcliffe and Jean Fairburn. And this month we are reviewing Feasibility, written by Fiona Ritchie. I have three reviews. One is from the Book Depository. Feasibility, a memoir, is a charming stroll through a daughter's early years and more recently her experience spending lockdown with her blind, slightly deaf, cynical and wobbly nonagenarian mother. On my mother's life is a cry for help. Well, that's how social services interpreted it. Throughout lockdown, many people spent more time with their family than they were comfortable with. The letters convey just how a mother and a daughter muddled along. Jin features heavily to deal with the daily frustrations. Following this, Adventures of a Ginger Girl is a charming peep at a childhood in Cornwall through the eyes of a permanently red girl with strong opinions and extremely big knickers. And then we have a couple of reviews. Fiona Rich's book, Feasibility, is a delight. There are too many positive points to do it justice in a short review. I think it is a tonic in these times of uncertainty and political despair to look back only a couple of years to when we were cooped up like chickens in our own homes and where Fiona took the opportunity to turn lemons into lemonade. There are so many little chuckle moments and several laugh out loud moments that it was an easy read. Like all good films, the sequels are teed up nicely at the end where she alludes to two other careers, one working on a cruise ship and one as a croupier in London. If they are anything like this well-written book, Fiona has a promising career as a writer. On the other review, a really pleasant surprise and very funny. My wife bought the book after it was recommended by a friend and she kept laughing. I asked her what was so funny and she told me to read the book. I didn't think what she laughed at would appeal to me, but it really was a great surprise. The more I read, the more I laughed. Seriously good recommendation from a bloke to read Feasibility. So there we are, ladies. Let me just go back to where we are. So who recommended this? I think this was Jean, wasn't it? So Jean, fire away. Right. Well, of course, there's a long-standing literary genre of diaries, memoirs. You get real ones. You get Samuel Pepys. You get Anne Frank, which is tragic, of course. But you either get history or you get spoof ones. Parodies, and this is somewhat. I mean, although it's real, you can see that unless you have cared for an elderly relative or you have one somewhere knocking about, you wouldn't really appreciate it. But any of you who have mothers who have to air their clothes for several weeks before they'll put them on will know what I mean. As it's actually last minute. I've got some. You've just read the reviews. I've got some as well, which says it's a mixture of stream of consciousness and part confessional. Uh, very over half a minute and page turner. Feel good, but with humour through a daughter's um, making use of two years of lockdown. And that's really also a quite interesting fact. Some of us made use of lockdown 
some of us were ill, some of us gave up. So it's just, a, although it's so funny, there is a um, kind of purpose, if you like. The fact that it's written into four parts, I think I might actually have rearranged those parts. So I did feel at some point that they're perhaps in the wrong order, but obviously they're in the order that meant to be. Fiona is a very funny and amusing person in real life. And you feel her person her personality coming over the waves really. Could it have been rearranged maybe? Um, I'd quite like to know what, what you guys thought because um there wasn't anything I could criticise and I wouldn't want to because it was just so very funny. And it's in a long line of funnies. You've got some um, travel books of similar, like Bill Bryson and Little Dribbling and all those things. And um, there's a selection of bribes. You have this vision of this poor woman, her mother, waiting for her outside the throat. The name around her neck and the saying, take me away. So, um, yeah, good read. Very funny. Something that you can read on the beach because you can dip into it and read a bit of it and take it away again and not lose anything. Now, you know the author, Jim. Yeah. Um, so Fiona is a very funny lady. And, and did you feel that um, you said it was in four parts? Can you just e explain what that, what do you mean by that? Well, it's got, you've got on, on my mother's life at the beginning. It's divided up and then it's got introduction. It's got and then the adventures of Ginger. <laughs> so, you know, in bits of it, in sections. So I'm wondering if you move the sections around. Would it make much difference? So I was wondering what the others... I think oh, right. she should have maybe started with introduction. What do you mean by starting? Sorry, can you, I didn't quite understand you. What did you say? mean by that? It's in four sections. I didn't think it was in four sections, but explain what you mean. I thought it was in two sections, just about her mother during lockdown and then her child, uh, the ginger girl as a child. So what were the other That's three right. sections? Well, no, just had an introduction and epilogue, which is standard. Okay. Know, like introducing it and then saying goodbye, wrapping it up at the end. Okay. But two main sections, but two subsections. It's totally not important. <laughs> okay. All right then. So, Felicity, what did you think? Okay. So, first of all, full disclosure for me, I only read Feasibility. I didn't read Diary of a Ginger Girl because I thought uh, we were only reviewing Feasibility. Um, for this program, so I do apologise. Well, um, well the, the, the Ginger Girl was at the end of the book, wasn't it? Yeah, they're, they're two separate books. That well, no, I've got one book and it had feasibility and in it was a Ginger Girl, part two. Uh, yeah, I've got them on Kindle and right, okay. uh, yes, they, they were both, they were both um, in the same sort of purchase, if you like. Yes. But my understanding was that um, Adventures of a Ginger Girl was actually a separate book. That okay. um, it was a kind of two in one, if you like. So yeah. I didn't read um, Adventures of a Ginger Girl. Okay. Um, but having, having said that, I think I have um, plenty to say about uh, feasibility. Okay. Um, so I've always thought that nobody has the power to annoy you uh, like your mum. You know, uh, that's certainly perhaps speaking a little bit from personal experience here. Um, but, you know, your mum can get under your skin like nobody else can. And I think 
that really came across um, in a very amusing way in feasibility. And uh, she's also very good about nobody has uh, the ability to sort of criticise you and needle you a bit like your mum. You know, there's a very funny point where she said, obviously her, her, her mother, bless her, is almost blind. But she says that she can still spot at a thousand yards or whatever if she's put on a few pounds. And that really resonated with me. I thought, yeah, that is the mother-daughter relationship sort of laid bare. And I think she does that very well. That kind of um, mix of annoyance and exasperation that I think many of us can relate to in our dealings with with our, our mothers. I mean, our, my, my mother died quite a long time ago, but we, you know, certainly sort of annoyance and exasperation was felt on both sides, along with a lot of love. And I think what shines through in Fiona's book is however much she's, you know, completely at her the end of her tether with her mother sometimes, um, the, it shines through how much she loves her and uh, I think that that's uh, that was really um, that was really I don't know quite heartwarming in a way. Although I don't often do heartwarming in the books I read, um, I did find it laugh out loud funny in places. A few times, my husband said to me, "Oh, what are you laughing at?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, this book that I'm reading." So I did I did find it very amusing, and the author's personality shines through um, from start to finish. It does cover the same themes and the structure of it, the way each chapter ends with her sort of amusing pleas for an unnamed person to come and take her mother away and where she's going to leave her and the various incentives that she's offering her mother to be kept taken away, all a bit sort of tongue-in-cheek. Um, it, does, it does have quite a sort of cyclical, cyclical um, structure that can come across as a little bit repetitive in places. But perhaps that was designed to kind of show a bit the monotony of lockdown. You know, it's the, the sort of same structure repeating and repeating, that uh, uh, perhaps that was designed to show what life was like during the two years of lockdown. And again, I think we could probably all relate to that uh, I think it could do with a bigger team of proofreaders uh, I did spot some um, some typos that I think could do with being ironed out but then I tend to spot typos in every book I read and I'm sure I'm sure Alice and Jean are exactly the same uh, but for all all of that I found quite easy to put to one side because it just had the sort of style that made you quite inclined to be generous about it because it was a generous book. You know, that the, the, the author's big-hearted personality came across. Uh, as I said before, I don't generally do heartwarming. I tend to like kind of darker stuff, but I did enjoy this. I think because... Um, Fee never gets too syrupy or sugary, and she's got a gen uh, a generous dose of self deprecation that I could really relate to. And uh, as I said before, it, uh, her her love for her mum shines through, even though she's begging people to take her away. So 
I actually, I actually really enjoyed it. I zipped through it quite quickly. I enjoyed it. I laughed at it. It was, um, it was nice, sort of light relief compared to some of the other things that uh, that I read. It's a shame you didn't read the uh, the other part, which was the Ginger Girl, which was her life in Cornwall. Yeah, um, I will certainly go ahead and read that now. I think that was just my lack of understanding of what the of the task that was set for me, for mm-hmm, which I mm-hmm. apologise. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, there, there, you know, there is a love for her mother, and I'm a mother of a fifty year old daughter, and um, I'm not quite well. I hope I'm not. Like that. I don't think I'm like that. And I certainly didn't have that relationship with my mother. My mother was incredibly sophisticated and intelligent. And um, I never had that relationship. Although I know that, you know, lots of daughters have that sort of relation that Fiona had with their mum. Luckily, I didn't have that. And I don't think my daughter has that with me. But it was very amusing. And um, I just hope that um, her life will continue. I don't know if it should be continuing in the same vein because it is what's going to happen when Fiona's mum eventually does pass on. A huge void, an enormous void. But anyway, there we are. So let's go uh, into uh, part two shortly and then we'll listen to Alice's review of Fee's Ability. Welcome back to August Book Club where we are reviewing Fiona Ritchie's book, Fee's Ability. We've already heard from Jean and from Felicity. And now we're going to hear from Alice. So over to you, Alice. Right, well, yes, I I did enjoy it. Um, I actually preferred the Ginger Girl more than the um, the feasibility bit. Um, I really love the the stories of of the little girl and everything. And I did wonder um, whether it might have been nicer to have sort of um, maybe swapped so have a chapter with the little girl and then a chapter with the mother and have a little chapter with the little girl and chapter that mix it up a little bit thought that might might have uh, you know made it work a little bit better but um yeah no it was very very funny lots of lots of anecdotes the um the part with her the part with her mum I, I thought it was quite bittersweet in a way um because her mum was obviously very difficult and it must be quite um you know draining for her to look after her and all, all the rest of it but she sort of soldiers on and makes a lot gets lots of humor out of the situations and um, but I think possibly at the time it must be a little bit more stressful than than um as it comes across in the in the book so I think she's obviously um making it um much more light-hearted and um, when you read it um so um, I think she's got lots of anecdotes in it. I, uh, one of the lockdown things that she she talked about, which I thought was really funny, was the way she was going on about the estate agents were advertising toilet rolls for sale for £350,000 with a free two-bedroom flat uh, during lockdown. So I thought <laughs> yeah. that was quite I thought that was quite funny because um, that, that basically summed up lockdown, didn't it? The, everybody's storing toilet rolls. So uh, that that was quite funny, and um, yeah, and her in in the in the summertime when she was she kept kept getting um, su- rubbing sun cream, um, and she was going on about how when she was putting she wasn't shaving her legs, and she said rubbing sun cream into Velcro, and I thought that was quite funny as well. So she's got lots of little little things like that, and um, 
she use, gets the hairspray candled up with some deodorant and she sprays it all over her head and then so but her head doesn't sweat all day you know so she's got lots of these little little gems in there they're, they're they are very very funny um so and I, but I think what did come across when I was reading it was the the that you did feel claustrophobic and I think she did describe the claustrophobia of lockdown very well it, you know in the situation the fact that you were sort of stuck in your home just the two of you and um you know I, I thought that that did come across very well I I um she, I thought she did that very very well and um and I think I think it will resonate with carers I think people who look after people continuously um I think they'll find this this very entertaining and I think it will give them a boost uh, they'll give them a little bit of a lift if they read read that and think, well, actually, yes, I can. If I if I do the same as Fiona, then I will be able to see some very silly things in in my stressful situation. Because she does seem to, you know, put a very positive spin on it all, which I thought was very very lovely. And um, and one thing that she uh, she keep, does keep going on and on about drinking gin. And um, I did meet her at Fliss's um, Fliss's launch party. And I have to say, she was driving then and she wasn't drinking alcohol. So she doesn't drink and drive, even though it does sound as if she does throughout the book. She doesn't drink and drive. So <laughs> I just thought I'd make that that point. Um, even if gin is is purely for medicinal, medicinal purposes. Um, so but what was the other thing? Oh, yes. Another thing that I thought I'm, I might even pinch this because I think it's brilliant. She was going on about how she had time to knit a jumper, having shorn the sheep first. I thought because because her mother was taking so long to do something, and I just thought that was really funny. Um, so yes, so uh, um, and one of the when she took her mother to see the doctor, she was uh, they were sort of dig, trying trying to. Uh, this was when she was a little girl. This wasn't when she she her mother took her to the doctor, I should say, and apparently she has sluggish cognitive temp, temp disorder and according to that the doctor that was it she's bone idle so I, I thought that was I thought that was very very amusing so um yeah so there, re, there were some real laugh out loud moments um a description of um you know of, of of falling into the pond um and you know overdressing and getting weighed down by all the clothes that she was wearing and she kept falling into the pond and then she has to go home and take all these wet clothes off and her mom's just done the washing and then her mom has to do all the washing again and she puts on her best frock and goes out and then falls in the pond again you know <laughs> so but you just that's just the sort of thing kids do isn't it they go out there and they find the wettest muddiest you know place to fall into and then they come home you know I mean the the adverts for washing powder make make a big deal out of that as well don't they <laughs> yeah. so um yeah I mean I think I, th I think people will really relate to this book they'll sort of you know they'll see some of the situations that in family members and all the rest of it themselves um you know I and mean, I certainly I certainly one of the things that di I did resonate with me was not not knowing your left from your right and um I I I'm terrible people say turn left and I'm 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 I've got my right indicator on to turn right I'm just 
rubbish um you know and they said well what you know but I'm I'm ambidextrous because I can write with my left and my right hand so when people say well what hand do you write with well I can write with both so you know this is probably what confused me as a child because I used to swap hands when I was when I was learning to write because I could do it with, with, with both I do tend to write with my right hand more but then lots of things I do with my left hand I iron with my left hand so um you know I'm a bit weird so um but I did relate to that and I thought that was quite funny um, so overall yeah I did enjoy it. it was an easy read it was you could you could pop it down and pick it up and um and it didn't take very long to read as I say I think personally if I if it if it had been me doing it I I think I would have mixed the I think I would have mixed the scenes up a little bit and maybe sort of had the childhood ones and then had the the mother ones and then have the childhood ones and maybe have them sort of um I don't know sort of mirroring each other a little bit the sort of things that she was doing for herself um with doing for her mother was the sort of things that her mother would do for her so I think it I think it might have uh, that I think that would would make it a really would would have really improved it but apart from that I I did enjoy it I thought it was very very good okay I think I, I do sorry interrupt you Fliss um I, I do agree with you because I found that um at the beginning when it was all you know relating to her mother I found it I did find it a little bit repetitive and I think that it would have been uh, although very amusing but I think it would have been nice to have interspersed it with with the ginger girl so Fliss you put your hand up you're going to say something yeah sorry I forgot to to say something that I meant to say when I was doing my bit was actually I think um, Fiona would make a very good columnist so if she had like a weekly column in the yes. newspaper, like, yes. you know, a Diary of a Carer or something, that's a yes. terrible name. But you know what I mean? Yes. Um, what, what, what I was thinking of when I was reading it was I was actually thinking about um, Bridget Jones's diary that started out as a column in the newspaper. Yes. And I actually thought that... Um, Fiona's stories whether it's about her mum or about other topics she might choose but her chatty style it might just be about you know stuff that's happened to her during the week just yes. what happened to me during the week like Alice was saying she sprayed she sprayed herself with deodorant instead of hairspray and all that kind of thing she's so good at writing about the everyday kind of pratfalls of life Yes, that I think she would be very good with Adrian Mole. Got Adrian yeah. Mole. Yeah, I do, yeah, I, I just I, think her her style of writing lends itself to that. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I think Pleasure. you're absolutely you're absolutely right, yeah, uh, Fliss. And um, I'm immediately thinking with my weekly scribbler's hour, we could have a weekly diary. So yes, I will um, speak to Fiona about that. And um, would you look forward to her other books that are coming along, ladies? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Okay. I would. Okay. Yeah. So what did you feel? Did you feel that it reflected lockdown? Because uh, as I, I live alone and um, lockdown really didn't affect me that much. And as much as that, you know, I work very much for the studio and I work from home anyway. Um, I don't live with anybody. So it really didn't affect me that much. But you all have partners. So let me ask you how it affected you. First of all, Alice. Well, I I actually it was a bit of a different situation for me because I was over in Ireland um, for the first three months of lockdown um, with my sister because she was very, very poorly at the time. Um, So it was 
it it was it was quite different I actually got sort of stuck over there because I flew over and then I couldn't get back again and I was over there till June so um and then I managed to get a flight home and then went back again in July so um yeah so it was a it was a slightly different slightly different thing for me um but I mean the family that, that my my it didn't affect my husband much because he works from home anyway. So he he just carried on working from home. He still works from home. So <laughs> it didn't affect his it didn't affect him terribly much. I think it was really affected the kids. Um, you know, my daughter and her boyfriend were supposed to be going off to, on to America for this fantastic holiday. And um they were driving to the airport and they discovered that my daughter couldn't get medical insurance to go over to America because they because of COVID so she could couldn't go because you cannot go to America without medical insurance it's just ridiculously expensive um you know if you can't you can't afford treatment you'd have to remortgage your house you know so she she didn't end up going in the end um and he he was going over with work and he was stuck over in America for eight months instead of being able to go around American visit and do all these wonderful things that he planned to do he was stuck in a room all by himself um, in America not being able to meet friends or anything it must have been really horrible for him so yeah so it it did affect it affected my kids more than me and my husband okay and what about what about you Fliss well for me um it's just me and my husband so um I was writing writing my books so in a way, for me personally, I just carried on and it actually enabled me to really get my head down and um, write my um, my final novel in the series. So in that respect, it was sort of all good, really. And um, I'm lucky enough to live in a small village where I know a lot of people. So if you have a dog and you take the dog out for a walk, then you tend to have several sort of socially distanced encounters just um just by virtue of taking the dog for a walk so I actually didn't feel that isolated I think um the interesting thing for me was getting an insight into my husband's work that I hadn't ever had because he had never worked from home until the lockdown and uh we uh suddenly having him at home and getting a sort of inside track into his working day was quite um was quite interesting actually and amusing at times. But I probably, without sounding too schmaltzy, acquired a new admiration for the professional side of him that I hadn't ever seen before. So that that was quite nice. Um, I did, I did, I mean, some friends I actually got to see more of, friends who aren't local because we actually set up regular Zooms so I was probably seeing quite a lot of some of my older friends more than I would um, outside lockdown. Um, missed the pub being open, definitely. Uh, but we had online wine tastings, quizzes, all that kind of thing. I discovered I can't set a quiz to save my <laughs> life. Nobody, I can't set the right questions. You know, no one can answer the ones I can answer and vice versa. And everyone just gets cheesed off. So that's a skill I know I definitely don't have. Uh, So I discovered that during lockdown. Um, But I was just conscious the whole time of how lucky I was, to be honest, compared with people who were stuck in houses with 
their children, trying desperately to educate their children, um, keep their jobs going. Um, people who are in apartment blocks where they haven't got access to a garden, people in cities, you know, just all having such a desperate time compared yeah. to me. So I think my overriding impression was, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So much luckier than the vast, vast majority of the population, to be yeah. honest. And Jean, I know that you wanted to go to America, didn't you, for your son's wedding? And that was all scuppered well, because of we were, we were packed up on the way, but they wouldn't let us in. <laughs> so we missed his wedding. So you got was... to Heathrow and they wouldn't let you board the flight? No, because we thought we were safe. We thought we had all that paperwork, but Mr. Biden had other ideas. And it was at the height of the um, sort of terror, if you like. It's like, like the um, Robespierre. The terror. Anyway, so that was awful because they had a really posh do in Santa Barbara, and um, but we watched it on the equivalent of Zoom. You know, they have this really watched a couple of um, funerals on there as well. Um, apart from that, that was the bad side of it um, because I'm retired. Most days are the same. Zoom saved the day. Oops. Zoom, um, because we had poetry on Zoom, we had Humphrey on Zoom, we had Felicity on Zoom, um, who very kindly got my poetry, smacked it about a bit, and um, so just used it to write. And we got our anthologies out. So we, all you could do was put your head down and work. Yes. And, and what about your relationship with your husband, Jean? Uh, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, whereas Fiona had the relationship with her mother, um, did everything just as you've retired anyway, so it just was just same old. Well, he, same he, old. He, he works part time, so he, while I write, I mean, he, he has to get away from me, so otherwise, he'd be a punch up. So, <laughs> so he's quite happy going off to work, leaving me. Um, I get odd visitors, like <laughs> Alison. I have a few friends. Well, you didn't during lockdown, though, because we weren't allowed to see anybody, were we? Well, they, you can knock on somebody's door and deliver their post that, that somebody's put through the wrong door. All <laughs> conversations. And then, of course, on the Thursday evenings, we had the saucepan banging, a strange ritual. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But quite fun. Then you saw people and you thought, cool, I didn't know they would do that. Well, I did, uh, I did a quiz with the family uh, over Zoom. I mean, Zoom had never been heard of until lockdown, was it? And um, so I did a, a quiz with the family. I love putting quizzes together for this. And um, I put quizzes that everybody can get the answer. There's no point in trying to be clever. Just, just get them to just enjoy the quiz. It's all about enjoyment. And nothing's worse than making people feel that they're stupid. So you have to just make everybody enjoy it. And we had um, family quizzes. And, and then since lockdown finished, we haven't had them anymore. So anyway, there we are. Anyway, let's um, finish now for um, part two. And then we're going to go into part three in a minute, where I think it's Fliss is going to talk about her book, which she's going to recommend for next month in September. And also it's going to be my uh, choices for a desert island, which we brought over from last month because we were chatting so much, ladies, I couldn't put it into last month. So goodbye for you for a second. 
We're going to a commercial break. Okay, ladies. Well, every month we've discussed books that we're going to take on a desert island. And you asked me to do mine. <laughs> so here we go, ladies. Number one. And you can um, tell me what you think after each one, what, what, what your thoughts are on them. The White Hotel by D.M. Thomas won the 1981 Booker Prize. Um, the review, well, I just read a review and I thoroughly, I thoroughly agreed. A really enjoyable read, which takes you on a journey into the fevered mind of a young woman suffering from hysteria as she is treated by the psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud. What I admired about this novel is how skillfully Thomas allows the hidden meanings behind Lisa's hysteria to gradually emerge. But how things sometimes never appear as they seem with Lisa herself, an unreliable witness. The novel is really a mix of sexual fantasy, buried memories and, and psychic power. Lisa's pain and fear to have children are finally revealed as a telepathic anticipation of the horrors of the Second World War. And I admire the way Thomas juggles past, present and future in his narrative. It is a psychological puzzle which finally makes horrific sense. So has anybody read that one? Yeah, I have. Absolutely. I think that's a brilliant choice, um, Sue, I would say. Um, it, I read it when I first when it first came out, so mm. um, I can't remember all of it. But I can remember that the ending is an absolute. Yes, it's absolutely devastating. Devastating. So, and um, I just yeah. I read it when it first came out and I've never, ever forgotten it. And if anybody says to me, can you think of a book that, and, that has had an effect on you? And I said, I always say that book. I can't mm. remember it. I'm going to have to read it again. All I remember is being a mother, what happened. And, um, oh, it did. It affected me. It really did affect me. Uh, who whether it's, who is the author? Sorry. Sorry, Jean. Which author is that? DM Thomas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've not I, read it. You've probably just inspired me to reread it, actually, Sue. Yeah, I think I will. I think I will. Okay, number two, a classic, Jane Eyre, oh. Charlotte Bronte. <laughs> it was published under her pen name, Cora Bell, on the 16th of October, 1847. You know the story. Brought up in an orphanage, goes to Thornfield Hall as governess to Adele and meets Mr. Rochester. Falls in love. Then at the wedding, his wife, Bertha's brother, barges into the church to stop the wedding. Jane runs away and is taken in by two sisters and the clergyman brother who they want her to marry, but this just doesn't happen. And then she goes back to Thornfield to find it's devastated by a fire and finds out that Mr. Rochester tried to save his mad wife as she jumped off the roof in the fire. He was blinded and eventually Jane and Edward reconciled and had two children. Apparently he restored some vision, but each film I see, it seems to have a different ending. Have you noticed that when they... Uh, adapt this book to films um no no they seem to have different anyway. endings <laughs> i don't know why i think okay. it must be something something you're taking all right okay the next book <laughs> the next book is the book thief marcus suzak um have you read that ladies yes i have Ab yes, again I have. absolutely um brilliant choice i love that book yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's, it's an absolute. It's a brilliant example of an omnipotent narrator. Yeah, absolutely. Narrator is there <laughs> well, it's narrated. Yeah, narrated by death. The story yeah, yeah. follows Liesl Meminger, 
a young girl living with her foster parents, Hans and Rosa Huberman in Nazi Germany during World War II. Liesel settles down into a new home and during her time there, she is exposed to the horrors of the war and politics. As the political situation in Germany deteriorates, her foster parents conceal a Jewish man named Max Vandenberg. Hans, who has developed a close relationship with Liesel, teaches her to read during this time. Recognizing the power of writing and showing the written word, Liesel not only begins to steal books that the politicians are seeking to destroy, but also writes her own story and shares the power of language with Max. By collecting laundry for her foster mother, she also begins a relationship with the mayor's wife, Ilse Herman, who allows her to read books in her library and steal them later. Wonderful, wonderful book. Fairly modern. When was that? Within the last 10 years? Yeah, Maybe. it was made. It was made. It's been in, made into a film as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's um, I think, yeah, yeah, about maybe five years. Mind, mind you, I suppose they've made it into a film. The film yeah. was made a little while ago. So, yeah, probably more okay. like 10 years. Probably. OK. Number four, Alan Bennett's Talking Heads, the complete <laughs> set. The complete set. I adore Alan Bennett. I adored Talking Heads, especially Miss Fozard Finds Her Feet. Uh, was originally with Patricia Routledge and subsequently Maxine Peake. And Thora Heard's Waiting for the Telegram. Oh, my God. I mean, every time I watch that, I just cry my eyes out. I don't know if you've seen it, but Violet is a confused elderly woman in a nursing home who has been told by the excited staff that she will soon be receiving a congratulatory telegram from the Queen in honour of her 100th birthday. This, however, perplexes Violet as she wanders far back into her memory to an age where telegrams brought news of death on a battlefield. And Violet ruminates about a long lost love to her only friend, a gay male nurse at home named Frances, who ultimately dies of AIDS. It is an amazing story. And she just talks about this young love, this boy who goes off to war and um, she was um, canoodling with him and he wanted to go further and she wouldn't let him. And then he went off and never came back. And she regrets the fact that she didn't take the relationship further. Um, they are wonderful. I adore Alan Bennett. So much so that number five will be Alan Bennett's Untold Stories, his biography. Um, I will live and read Alan Bennett. And I know he's getting older now and he's got over cancer, bless his heart. But there you are. So Alan Bennett, I adore. Number six, Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood. When I read it, I always in my head hear Richard Burton as the narrator. I just adored it. And um, they, <laughs> as you know, characters included Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard, relentlessly nagging her two dead husbands, Captain Cat reliving his seafaring times, the two Mrs. Die Brids, Organ Morgan, obsessed with his music, and Polly Garter, pining for her dead lover. Later, the town awakens and aware now of how their feelings affect whatever they do. We watch them go about their daily business. Absolutely fabulous. And um, as I said, Richard Burton as the narrator, absolutely brilliant. Number seven, Charles Dickens, The Complete Works. The 15 novels, <laughs> the 15 novels were Oliver Twist, David Copperfield, Great Expectations, and Tale of Two Cities, Hard Times I Have Read. I have not read, read all of those, but I haven't read Pitbit Papers, Martin Chuzzlewit, Barnaby Rudge, Martin, uh, Dombey and Son, I Meet Your Friend, The Mystery of Edwin Drew, Little Dorrit, Bleak House, Nichols, Stickleby, A Christmas Carol, my favourite because of its length, is classified as a novella, um, but that would keep me busy for a long, long time. Now, the next three. <laughs> Number eight. You're going to laugh at this. Master in the Art of French Cooking by Julie Child. <laughs> now, ah. I adore 
uh, French food. And Julie Child wrote this book and I've had it for years and years and years and years and years. Her beef bourguignon is to die for. And obviously I'm not going to find any of these ingredients on a desert island, but just reading her book, I'm sure I'll be able to find something that I can munch on, do that. Um, number nine, Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. Uh, and brief answers to the big questions. I've always wanted to read this, never, never got round to it. Um, and uh, so I will have time to be able to do that. I can lend you it. I've got a copy. <laughs> oh, I've got a copy. <laughs> and finally, and finally, number 10, the Bible. Wonderful. Lots of stories in there. And I would read it from beginning to end. So there's my 10. Those are my it, 10 ladies. Did they surprise you? No, James the Sixth. It is a James the Sixth Bible, isn't it? Yes, yes. Of course. Is there any other? No. <laughs> all, I, all I can say is you're going to have to be cast away for a very long time. Yeah. You can read all You might want to include as well... Um, a biography of Julia Child, if such a thing exists, because I was reading some stuff recently about her life and she had yeah. most, the most fascinating life. So you might want to add that to the list as well. Well, didn't wasn't there a film called Julia with Meryl Streep? Yeah, Julia, 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 Julia. It had that Meryl Streep and um, Amy. Oh, what was her name? Oh, I've got I've got. Men, menopause brain now I can't remember her name but yeah that she was very she was very good in it yes, she made yeah. a like a she made like vlogs of yes. making she put all the recipes and made all these vlogs of her yes but apparently yes. Julia didn't like them at all she thought they were really awful <laughs> um so she didn't like them I've actually got a, I've got my grandmother's copy of that particular book from the 1930s right so, yes. yeah no it's a, a fabulous well book worn. it's very <laughs> The very, very, um, very, anybody can cook from that book, the way she lays it all out. It's absolutely brilliant. I can. So, quick, quick, <laughs> question, quick question then. So three of us, um, myself, um, Jean and Alice, we all have a copy of The Brief History of Time on our bookshelves. Has anybody actually read it? I've I read some of it, but um, didn't really understand it, I have to admit. Even despite my despite my science background, it was I didn't really get it. And your dear hubby being a PhD. Oh my my husband's read it. I don't know whether he got it. He hasn't explained it to me if he has. He hasn't mansplained it to me. <laughs> and Jean, have you read it from cover to cover? No, I've got it. I look at it and ignore it. Okay. And um, Felicity? Uh, well, I, I, as I recall, on the first page, there's a couple of equations, which as I, I'm very much a, an artist rather than a scientist, and definitely not a mathematician, the sight of a couple of equations was enough to send me running for the hills. But uh, <laughs> perhaps, I, perhaps I should no, go back no, and go. That is definitely a no, but now I feel a bit ashamed and think I should perhaps go back and have another go. The, the one I have read was Richard Dawkins, uh, um, Richard Dawkins one. Um, yes. It's called. Um, but that that was very interesting. I enjoyed this is that the atheist. Something. Yeah, that, yeah. It was, it was all about e evolution and, um, yeah. and stuff like that. I can't remember what it was called, though. Yeah. But yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I've made a real rod for my own back here, radio-wise, because I've chosen an author 
whose name I find so difficult to say. I always get my tongue twisted around it, but the author is Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, and uh, he's an author that I admire hugely. I think his book, um, Remains the Day, is um, a masterpiece of restrained writing. And what is the book called, please, Fliss? Clara and the Sun. Try and say the author's name without without getting it all wrong. Kazuo Ishiguro. Kazuo Ishiguro. Lovely. Okay, ladies. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your months. Enjoy your read. And we'll see you again at the last Monday of September. Do take care of yourselves. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.